0: <clears throat> Good morning everybody, welcome to this Sunday School Hour here at Faith Baptist Church's Facebook Live. So I'll grab our Bibles this morning and turn to Matthew 17. Uh, the cut uh, out for no reason. Okay, are we back on? I'm getting it back on right now. Okay. Can they still hear me? They can still hear you. Okay. We're working on the video. We're aware that we lost um, the video and uh, should be on here in just a second or two. Sometimes some of this technology doesn't work the way it's supposed to. We have a capture card hooked up to a pretty expensive camera hooked up to the laptop. Uh, That usually works really well, uh, but we didn't get the chance to test everything this morning like we normally do. Uh, So the video should be back on uh, very soon. I do apologize for the inconvenience. But since you can hear me anyways, um, we're continuing our series in Christology, which is the study of what we believe to be true about the Lord Jesus Christ in our series, Why We Believe What We Believe. We've been talking about Christ and His uh, various expressions of power. We've talked about the power of Christ over nature, the power of Christ over death. We're good to go. Nice. The power of Christ over food. Um, This morning, we're talking about the power of Christ over money. And uh, typically when you think about the Lord, money isn't something that normally comes on your register. If you think about Jesus and money, you usually think about how he helped the poor. Uh, you might think about the widow's might uh, certain things like that. But the Lord had power over money. He just never used it for personal gain. Uh, remember, the Lord is purely good. He was never driven by greed. He was never driven to uh, obtain more for himself. He lived uh, without a home. He never purchased anything for himself apart from food and the things that he needed for basic necessities of life. Uh, Everything else was to um, the bare minimum. Uh, Lived from place to place. A vagabond lifestyle. So you don't typically think about Christ having power over money, but he did, and we see that in several places throughout scripture. Uh, Matthew 17, uh, in verse 24, says, When they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? He saith, Yes. And when he was come into the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon? Simon. Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Of their own children, or of strangers? Peter saith unto him, of stranger's. Then saith Jesus unto him, Then are the children free. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go out to the sea, and cast an hook, and take up the fish that first cometh up, and when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money that take and give unto them for me and thee. So this is the story of the coin out of the fish's mouth. How many have heard this before? It's a fairly new story to some of us. You okay? Mm -hmm. Okay. Some of us aren't feeling well this morning, so you'll have to bear with us a little bit. This is a remarkable story for, for many reasons, uh, one of which not being the least that Jesus pulled money out of a fish's mouth. Um, but we see that they that received tribute money came to Peter, right? Specifically to Peter. Now, they would have known who Jesus was, right? Even though he looked like the people of his day, they would have still been able to tell he was very famous, They would have known which one the Lord was. But they chose to go to one of the disciples instead. But before we get into all of that, understand that the tribute money we're talking about was a tax for the expenses of the temple. Okay, now think about that. It was a tax for the temple. Not for the government, not for Rome, but for the temple, the place of worship. Um, it was paid out by the people of Israel. So it's a well-known fact that the disciples, the disciple that handled the money was who? Does anybody know? Oh, um, which one of them was a tax collector? Was it Matthew? Matthew? It was not Matthew. <laughs> <the same. laughs> that would be that would have been a good guess, but... uh Zacchaeus is is also not correct, but that is a good guess. It's a Bible person. Yes, it was Judas. Oh, that makes more sense. Because that's how he was able to pay 30 pieces of silver to have the Lord arrested. He paid it out of the church's tribute money. What? Where else was he going to get 30 pieces of silver? I guess. wonder he threw himself off the cliff. Yeah. I think the Heavenly Father was as upset with him as you are. But, yeah. Uh, so, if Judas was the one carrying the money, and Jesus was their leader, why go to Peter? Right? Peter was a very excitable person. We know this from any time I teach on, Peter. teach on Peter. I have a tendency to animate his uh, words a little more than other people's because he's a very excitable person. Uh, you can read that. In the context. And it may have been that this was another attempt by the enemies of Jesus to catch him doing something illegal or immoral. Uh, Right? Because those that make a habit out of doing the right thing have no fear of the truth getting out. Right? They were trying to catch the Lord not paying his taxes. Right? Because it's a tax taken up by uh, the temple and it's something that the Lord disagrees with. So if he doesn't pay the tax, then they catch him, right? Uh, But those that make a habit of doing the right thing, like I said, have no fear of the truth getting out, right? So if the Lord has always done the right thing, there's no need for him to be afraid that people find out about his tax history because he would have done the right thing the whole time. Proverbs 12, 19 says, the lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Consider that your honesty and your truth becomes a uh, testimony to you far beyond your years. But your lies and your deceit, if that is what you're known for, that will die far quicker than you will. A forgotten memory. But our honesty, the lip of truth, shall be established forever. You think about the people in history who are the, the best known. There are some people that may or may not know about the tyranny of Joseph Stalin. But people the world over have heard of George Washington. They've heard of Abraham Lincoln. right? People who throughout history chose to stand for that which was right. And they're remembered for it. We remember men teaching or uh, giving speeches like give me liberty or give me death. We remember these famous things throughout history. We remember horrible men like Hitler, but only because we remember such tremendous men like those soldiers who stormed the beach of Normandy and fought for the freedom of those oppressed people. Coming in and and taking concentration camps and and freeing people being tortured and, and killed in the most horrendous ways. He was horrible, but the heroes who defeated him were that much more wonderful. The truth will be established forever. It was Jesus' habit to be an honest person. The truth was all he was capable of. That cannot be said for us. We are capable of more than just telling the truth. And that is an unfortunate thing. But if we will endeavor and strive and work toward keeping the truth, we too will be established forever. In Jesus talking to Peter about the questioning about this tax. Jesus asks Peter a question. And it's a good question. Very thought-provoking. And when you read it through the first time, you might have no clue what the Lord's <laughs> talking about. He says, of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Did you catch that the first time we came through reading it? Of whom do the kings of the earth... So you have a king. Let's say Jacob is a king, King Jacob, and Jacob comes along, and his kingdom needs some money, right? Now, who are you going to take the money from, Jacob? Are you going to take it from your own family, or are you going to take it from the people, the, um, the people of the country? Of course, yeah. That's what all kings of the earth do. You don't see uh, the Queen of England going to her children and grandchildren saying look we need some money why don't you guys fork over some cash right she takes a tax from her people right so the Lord is saying here that the people should not be taxed because the people of Israel are God's children when the children of God are made to give to the temple forcefully then they're robbed of their free will Right, An offering that is forced to be given is not an offering at all. It keeps the people from being able to express their generosity. If somebody wanted to be generous, they couldn't because they're being made to give. It's not an option. There are some churches out there who come near to this. They don't have the manpower, the authority to force attacks on their people, but they will take other extreme and horrendous measures. They'll put on the bulletin board of some places all the members of the church that did not tithe that week. It would be aghast to do that at any church. To find out who tithed and who didn't. Uh, there are some churches that have a a business meeting every single week. Every single week they come and they present uh, to their church their needs and they they push the need for people to give. Uh, There are some pastors that uh, um, for a while Spurgeon was in the habit of doing this thing. I read a biography about him once. And uh, what he would do is he would come to the people of his church and he'd try to raise money for the buildings that he would build. And uh, he would say, Hey, Brother uh, Glenn, it's good to see you today. You see, you know Brother Smith over there? Wonderful Christian man. You know what he did? He just gave $20,000 to the church. Twenty, And with the... that you gave we're almost there. So when we're inscribing the bricks on the side I want you to know how much I appreciate Brother Smith's and yours. He's going to get the first brick and you are right next to his. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, what's that? You want to give another $6,000? Well, praise the Lord. Brother, I'm glad to hear it. Stuff like that. I'm paraphrasing of course, but then he met a man My mind is, is blanking on me. Ran many orphanages. Um, huh Mueller. George Mueller as he was touring that that part of the country. And uh saw all the orphanages and buildings that he had built. He comes to him, he says, this is amazing. How did you do this? And it's been said that George Mueller very humbly, and very quietly said, well, we just prayed him in. He said, you what? He said, yeah, we just, we just prayed it in. We prayed and, and God brought it in. And that meeting with George Mueller forever changed Spurgeon's idea of money with the church. Mm -hmm. Of whom do the kings of the earth pay tribute? Of their children or of the people? And if it's of the people, then the children are free. It's about liberty. It's about having the opportunity to be generous 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Every man according as he prospereth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly. Not grudgingly. Right? If you're going to give, but you're going to be grudgingly about it, you're going to hem and haw about it, and you're going to mumble under your breath, or you don't want to do it, don't do it. Or of necessity. Should never be a necessity to give to the church. You should never feel like, well, I can't ask the church to help me if I'm not tithing faithfully. That's not the case. That should never be the way a church makes you feel. For God loveth a cheerful giver. Uh, there's a story in Luke 21 where Jesus is in the temple. Uh, on the Sabbath day, and he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. Uh, A mite is uh, the equivalent of our penny here in America. And he said, the Lord speaking here, of a truth I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of God, but she of her penury hath cast in all the living that she had. What do they do when they raise support? You've seen it, and I kind of touched on it a second ago with my story, but... When they go to raise support, uh, in some churches they'll they'll inscribe certain part of the church with the names of the highest you know uh, givers who gave the most money, right? Uh, and churches will take it a step further. There's not just the churches I've been involved in. Uh, other churches I've I've spoken to other men about where somebody comes in who's giving the church a lot of money. They begin to call the shots, and uh, somebody that the high tithers don't like. <clears throat> They can pay the pastor to have that person stop being involved in the church. That happens a lot. It happens a lot more than it should. And uh, they think it's okay. They think it's okay because they're not being paid. Uh, They're not rubbing elbows with these uh, wealthy people uh, in order to change doctrine. And they're not removing the name Baptist off the sign, so therefore it's okay. Well, they're holding the bar awfully low, aren't they? We're not going to agree to lie about what's true about God, and we're not going to lie about who we are, but other than that, everything else is fair game. That's a pretty low bar to set. What we should do is we should take the widows, we should take those that are struggling to get by, we should take those that are scared to give, but give anyways, and put their names on a brick. Let's leave those uh, those uh, Pharisees that are plunking the money in from high up so it clings and everybody hears it. Uh, let's leave those members who stand in the back of the church and talk about how much they give and... and uh, how the church wouldn't be able to survive if they didn't give their paycheck every week. Uh, let's leave those men off the bricks. Let's let's take the ones who don't know how they're going to pay their electric bill that week, but they still tithe to the Lord. Let's put that name on a brick. That poor widow woman who's living off of uh, the, the, the little bit that she has, but she still comes in and tithes off of that that she gets in once a month. Let's put her name on a brick. Because they give of their all and not of their surplus. It's easy to give your surplus. It's easy to give when you've got plenty of money in the bank. I want to celebrate those who give when they can't afford it. I want to celebrate those people who look at that check and they say, you know what, this is a gift from God. I want to give back and I know He's going to take care of me. Because that's hard to do. And it's hard to say. And it's hard to believe. And those that go forward with the courage and strength to do so should be celebrated. So Jesus is teaching him here a lesson about giving to the Lord through the temple, through what we would call today the church, and how it should be given out of generosity and not out of necessity. But then he goes on to say, lest we should offend them. Right? So he's going on to say, this is wrong what they're doing, but it's wrong for me not to pay it. Right? So if I choose not to pay my taxes out of protest, uh, that's just as wrong for me as it is for them to ask a tax for the church or for the, the temple to begin with. Jesus wanted Peter to understand that the temple having a required tax was wrong, but that the institution of the temple ought to be respected. There's a great many things that churches do in our time that are just as wrong, but the institution of the church should still be respected. It's a matter of respecting the Lord and respecting His house and not necessarily the people that are running the house of the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14, Paul writes to his son in the faith, Timothy, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. There is a right and wrong way to behave yourself in the house of God. There is a way to respect the Lord in his house even if you don't respect the people in the house. The Lord in his house should still be respected. And then it's Jesus telling him that when he opened the mouth of the fish, he should find a piece of money and use that to pay their taxes for the temple. But did you notice the Bible never gives us a confirmation verse? Anybody else notice that? What I mean by that is that they never tell us that this thing did actually happen. Jesus tells him to do it, but then it never says he went out and did it and it happened. Right? Which is odd because that is normally the way it works in scripture. Jesus tells them to do something and then the Bible tells us they went out and did that thing and then it happened exactly how Jesus said That's not what happens this time. It doesn't happen this time because uh, we're supposed to believe and understand that Jesus has power, even over money. There is no problem that we deal with today that Jesus doesn't have the power to solve. And unfortunately, a lot of times today, our problems have to deal with money. Gas prices keep going up. Uh, Winter hits, the electric bill goes up, they charge us extra, Uh, cars are more expensive, buying a house is more expensive, everything's more expensive nowadays. They can't get as much uh, produce into the stores because there's fewer truckers on the road. So they have to jack up the prices of things because they have fewer of it. That's how supply and demand works. You have a smaller supply, more demand, you have to jack up the price. Everything's more expensive nowadays. And it's easy to get scared. But we must remember that Jesus has power over money, and there is no problem that befalls us today that Jesus does not have the power to solve. He's able to get the money he needed to pay his taxes out of a fish's mouth. There is no telling where he'll meet your need from, but he will. Let's turn over to Matthew 22 really quick this morning. Matthew 22, Uh, this is going to be a popular phrase we're going to read in here, but you've probably never heard the story. Some of you may have. Matthew 22, and in verse 15, it says, Then when the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk, and they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master... We know that thou art true, and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar, or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness, and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Can you imagine you're in a church, you're listening to the pastor preach and he's saying something that you know contradicts something he's done, and you walking right up to the pastor and going, "You're such a hypocrite right there in the middle of church. That's what Jesus did. They say, "Well, Jesus was Christ, wasn't he more like the pastor? No, no, no. You see, the religious leaders of the day were the Pharisees. They were the ones in the expensive outfits. They were the ones that drew the crowds, and the temples, and the tabernacles. They were the ones that everybody fawned over and wanted to listen to. Jesus was the one that was shaking stuff up. Jesus was the one that was changing things, and they didn't like that because they liked the way that things worked. They've been working this way for us for hundreds of years. They've been working this way for us for a very long time. We're not going to change anything now just because Jesus said something different. That sounds very familiar to me. That is almost every independent Baptist church I've ever met, I've ever been a part of, that comes in and does what they do because their pastor did it before them and their pastor did it before them and so forth and so on. Or they're trying to recreate the era of the 1950s. They liked the way it worked then with these white men and all their power. And they don't like to talk about how other people were treated back then. They just like to talk about Andy Griffith, they like to talk about Happy Days. They don't want to talk about the separate water fountains because people were too disgusted to drink the same water as a black man. They don't want to talk about how a woman wasn't allowed to have a voice. That she wasn't allowed to stand up in the church or speak at all unless her man gave her permission. They don't like to talk about that. And when Jesus says that those things are sinful in the Bible, we're not going to change the way we do things because that's how brother so-and-so did it, that's how his pastor did it, and that's the way we're going to do it. Bless God. You're not blessing God. We're no better off than the Pharisees in our day and age. But they're trying to catch him. And they ask him this question, is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar? And Jesus gives a, an interesting answer. He says, Somebody give me a coin. And they come out. They, no, no, no. I'm not asking. <laughs> and they give him a coin. And he holds it out. And he says, Whose face is on that coin? And they say, Well, it's Caesar's face. And he said, Well, Caesar put his face on it. It belongs to Caesar. Give him that. But those things that belong to God, give him that. Right? God owns 10% of your paycheck. It belongs to Him. If you want to give it to God, give it to God. But if not, that's a sin. And it is. But, let's take this dollar. This is a $1 bill. most basic currency in our country. Whose face is on the $1 bill? Washington's we could just as easily say this morning, render unto Washington the things that are Washington's and unto God the things that are God's. There are pastors that have been arrested for not paying their taxes because they think it's unbiblical. That the the government has no right asking a pastor to pay taxes. But here we see Jesus paying taxes and telling people to pay taxes, to render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. The problem is, too much of our theology is based on greed. Based on money and what we do with it, how we spend it. What's economically fiscal? We know what Jesus said was economically fiscal. Sell everything you have and give 50% of it to poor people. We won't do that. Why won't we do that? We won't do that. And we'll say it's because those poor people, uh, they're just drug users. Those poor people, they're killers, they're rapists. They're there because they're horrible people, and I'm not going to go give somebody $20 that they're going to go give to a drug dealer somewhere down the road and go uh, do coke with it. But you're so wrong. You're so wrong, and you don't even realize it. You know, there are just as many coke dealers. There are many Coke users and drug dealers and drug users in this neighborhood right next to us in these wonderful, beautifully built houses as there are under the bridges in Denton. You know the kind of people under those bridges? Sure, some of them are scam artists. Some of them are drug dealers. But the same thing could be true about a family in a house. Those people under that bridge, many of them, had a run of bad luck. Invested in a company that wasn't real. The Guy took off with all their money. Now they can't afford a home. And they live off of food shelters and the generosity of others. We lost video again. Yeah, it's why. okay. They can still hear me. Yeah, keep going. I'll fix it. We use that as an excuse so that we don't have to give money to other people. We can keep it for ourselves. We store up more and more. And more. And then when our barns are too full, this will I say, I will tear down and build greater. Thou fool, you billionaires, you millionaires, thou fool, this night, thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose things shall those things be? You write a will and leave it to somebody else? It doesn't matter. It's not yours anymore who's to say they won't go off and blow it on something when it might have been done used to do some real good. We only give anymore so that we can most efficiently squeeze the system for more tax money on our returns. We lack true generosity. And that is because our theology has become all about greed. Let's get back to the Lord. Render unto God the things that are God's. Uh, 1 Peter 2.13, and I'm going to be done this morning a little early. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Whether it be to king, to the king is supreme or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man, every law, Respect the big ones. Respect the small ones. That is what God has called us to do. For so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men who are going to not listen to you about the Lord, about his word, because you went 55 and a 45. That's a foolish man, right? That's a pretty stupid reason not to listen to the Lord and his word. But... The Bible says here, let's not give them a reason. They say, why? Why should I fend to, why should I uh, kneel to foolish men? Because they're going to hell. And they need your help. And if we can go 10 miles an hour slower and save a man from going to hell, why wouldn't we do that? Put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free... And not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, which is what we spoke about earlier. Saying, oh, I'm not going to give my money to those poor people. They're just going to use it to sin. That's using your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness. But as the servants of God, you ask yourself this morning, really, truly, and sincerely, what God wants you to do. No excuses. No talking yourself out of a paper bag. Just purely and simply what is right. And then just do it. We've got enough people in the world using God's name to make a buck. We need more people willing to sacrifice for the greater good. Let's give unto the Lord with a generous heart and not just of our money but of ourselves and trust Him To make up the difference. That is our Sunday school lesson for this morning. I want to thank you guys so much for watching. As uh, I've been standing here, I've been fighting food poisoning. So it is with great sorrow and regret that I'm going to say that I'm not going to be able to do the Sunday morning service. I thought I could muscle through it, and I honestly, I barely got through this. Can't be helped. Uh, So we will be back on Wednesday for the Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, And until then, guys, I encourage you to go watch uh, a church service somewhere because it is the Lord's Day. Thank you.